Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 294. Hello and welcome once again to the podcast that keeps you updated and always educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Thank you for downloading and you first-time listeners, we're glad you found the show. We hope you can t- we can turn you into a regular listener. My name is Stephen Fennick, and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. So what have we got for you on this week's show? The telecommunications industry ombudsman takes a swipe at the telcos. How I got my electricity bill to zero dollars. And Optus showcases 5G, and we'll chat with Optus Head of Networks, Dennis Wong, all about it. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to check out the Eura Z8 coffee machine, the latest iPad with Apple Pencil support, and the LG InstaView smart refrigerator. And we'll finish up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and also Norton, the company to help keep you and your family and your devices safe online. A huge show for you, so let's get on with it. Well, any mention of the telecommunications industry Ombudsman, that's a, a mouthful, the TIO, let's call them, will all, is always met with interest because if usually if the TIO is involved, it means someone's complaining about their phone or their internet service or something, and uh, it's usually not good news. And uh, I'm sorry to say it's, again, uh, bad news because the TIO, uh, the Ombudsman, Judy Jones, as a matter of fact, she, she got up at the Comms Day Summit this week, and she revealed some research results of uh, among more than 3,000 people from across the country. And the results of the, that survey was alarming. One in two Australians have experienced phone or internet problems in the past 12 months. One in five, that's 20%, said they've had more than one issue throughout the year. So what's made this story interesting for me is the fact that Judy Jones, the telecommunications industry ombudsman, in this speech to Comms Day, really took a bit of a swipe at the telcos. She was basically saying that they need to listen. They're not listening to the customer. There's, she, she mentioned uh, that there are some complaints that are not resolved after four months. That's a long time to be without your phone or your internet service. She sort of she she went on to say that usually issues are easy to fix, but too often through miscommunication and confusion between the telco and the customer that they drag on and on. She says that they they all need to be proactive and accessible in managing the issues. And not only it's not only residential customers as well, it's small business owners. 
the, the, the stats show that small businesses, 60% have said that a phone or internet issue has affected their business. And a quarter of those small business, those businesses have had more than one issue. So it's not just mums and dads and, and customers at home, it's businesses that are also suffering as well. But the odd thing is, though, that she said the TIO research only says that 12%, only 12% of people who had an issue contacted the telecommunications industry ombudsman. Now, usually, and we've spoken about the TIO in the past, usually the TIO is your last resort. Of course, you've got to open a dialogue with your telco. You're their customer, and hopefully they can, they can resolve your issue. But if you want to take it further, if you want to escalate the problem, then the TIO can help you do it. And what happens if you do register a complaint with the TIO, they escalate it to a more senior level than the one that you are talking at. So if you're talking to their customer service or their tech support or whoever you're talking to, if you escalate it to the TIO, then suddenly it goes above that person's head that you were talking about talking to at the telco. So the TIO then takes it, elevates that to a higher level, and usually they come up with a solution. And as a matter of fact, it's not even it's it's not in the best interest of the telco for it to go to the TIO, not just because of the, the them their reputation may be taking a hit, but it actually costs them money. The telco actually pays is has to make a payment every time the TIO has to contact them and resolve this issue. So it's in it's in their best interest, in the bottom line's interest, for them to resolve the issues at the customer level. But I just found that really interesting to that that Judy Jones, who who is the ombudsman, who is the person that we complain to, they she, she said that we the the, com, the complaints to the phone and internet providers that happen so often they need to be in a much better position to understand the needs of their customers. You think about it, one in two Australians—that's up to ten million people. You guys listening to me right now. It's a great chance that you could be one of those people who's had an issue with your phone, who's had an issue with the internet, and hasn't had it resolved in a timely manner by your telco. Usually, if there is an issue, most of the time, I'd like to think it gets sorted. But as as Judy Jones says, it can take up to four months. That's ridiculous. So I think we need to understand that there is the TIO as an alternative. There is that option. But of course... If you were to ring the TIO first without consulting with your telco, the telecommunications industry ombudsman is going to tell you, contact your telco, see if you can resolve it there first. The last thing you want to do is involve us. Hopefully, you, you can get the problem sorted before you have to pull the ombudsman card if you're not having any joy. But that is your choice. If the, your, the issue is not being resolved to your satisfaction, you can pull that lever. The telecommunications industry ombudsman. I've seen customers mention the TIO in stores complaining to telcos, and it seems to have had the right effect. They actually got to the bottom of the problem and resolved it. So it's really just a matter of communication. Uh, try try to keep things simple. Try to obviously keep calm. You don't want any getting angry is not going to help the situation. Uh, but if you can get across the problem, the sooner they can come up with the solution. If you want to read more about that story and read all of Judy Jones, the telecommunications industry ombudsman's comments, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Now, it's not very often when I'm talking about stories on the Tech Guide podcast that 
I'm actually the subject of the story, well, part of the story anyway, a big part of the story. And what I'm talking about is, and I have mentioned this on the show uh, months earlier, and uh, so I have spoken about my solar setup. I've got a sol- solar panels and a, a an inverter and a battery in my home. And I the, the latest news uh, ha- is the fact that I became the first Sonnen flat customer in Australia. Now, to take you back to the story, I uh, I had a, 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 a I had an interest in seeing what the situation would be, how much it would cost me to get a system installed, and to see if I can bring down my energy costs. And this goes back to July the first last year. So July one, twenty seventeen, was the was the day that they uh, that Natural Solar, the company that I called uh, to to give me a quote about a about a solar system. That was the date they said, okay, we've got someone free on a, on a Saturday, July the 1st, and I agreed. And ironically, that was the day that power prices went up by 20% last year. So it's pretty ironic that I'm meeting them, that they did have that, that extra bit of ammunition to, 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 make, to, to sell me the system with those, with those figures in mind. And they sat me down and they, they looked at all my energy costs and they sort of built a system and they said, yep, this sort of cost you around about this much to do. And I went ahead and did it. And I had installed, I ended up getting 27 panels and a storage battery, a 10 kilowatt hour storage battery. But it wasn't a Tesla battery. I, I thought Tesla was the only brand that made these home storage batteries. But no, uh, Natural Solar has a relationship with a German company called Sonnen. Now, this is a company that only makes home storage batteries. Tesla makes batteries for their cars, which I'm a big fan of. They also make the, the same, they use the same battery for their power walls. So I was really interested to hear that there was an alternative. But further to that, and don't forget, I'm a journalist, so any bit of little nugget of information that I can find out before everyone else is a bonus. In this case, that's exactly what happened. The guy who came to my house, he said, look, Wait, wait till Wednesday. We're going to make a little announcement that you're going to be really interested to, to hear about. To, it, it'll affect what you decide to do with your system. And curiously, I thought, okay, well, if, I, if you give me some information, and I'll, uh, I can respect an embargo. And uh, his boss uh, came, got me on the phone and explained the Sonnen flat system. That's what that announcement that he alluded to. And basically what Sonnen flat means is this. If you were to install solar panels and a Sonnen battery, you can sign up to Sonnen Flat, which will link every Sonnen battery in Australia. And by doing that, every Sonnen customer can receive and give out power to other Sonnen customers in Australia. And us having our solar panels, we are becoming the power station for Sonnen, who then becomes our energy retailer. So they this virtual grid they've set up, they say, right, we'll manage all the power, and for that management cost, it'll be either $30, 40 or $50, depending on the size of your home and the size of your system. In my case, it was $40 a month. So they said to me, for $40 a month, yes, you've spent, uh, it was just a shade under $19,000 to have my system installed. That's the panels, the inverter, the battery. But for $40 a month, we can give you a guarantee you'll get a $0 electricity bill. So we'll manage your system. If there is any excess power to go back into the grid, that'll help keep that cost down for you, your monthly costs down. 
So for 40 bucks a month, I now have a $0 electricity bill. Yes, it took me 19000 to get to this point, but you think about the amount of money people spend on kitchen renovations, a bathroom renovation, it wouldn't be uncommon to spend nineteen, twenty thousand 20000 getting a brand new kitchen. And yeah, that's an investment in your home. And I, I view this in the exact same way that I've invested $19,000 into the value of my home. And I believe it's added more than the $19,000 that the system cost to the value of my home. But here's the big difference between the 19000 you spend on a kitchen or a bathroom. Yeah, and they are investments in your home and, and have increased the value of your home. But the kitchen or the bathroom doesn't pay itself off over the years. And that's exactly what the system does for me. Now, my costs, annual costs are around three, just over $3,000 a year. So if you do the math, getting that money back would take about five to six years or thereabouts. But the three thousand dollars I pay in twenty eighteen, who's to say in twenty twenty that three thousand could be five thousand, could be six thousand. It's gonna be more than what it is today, that's for sure. So that return on investment suddenly turns into five years. So I've got my money back. Its system has paid itself off. Now, the system itself, the battery, it uses special lithium-ion cells uh, good for 10,000 cycles, which is the equivalent of 20 years' lifespan. So you think about over the lifespan of the battery, I'm going to save more than $50,000 of power over those years. Paying my $40 a month, that's all I pay for electricity now, $40 per month. That adds up to $480 a year, add GST, just slightly over 500 bucks. But that $40 per month, that's actually less than what I pay for my mobile phone plan. That's the cost of my electricity. Now, during the day, I create power with the panels. The I use the power that, that's generated on the spot. Excess power goes in the battery. So by the evening, when the sun's gone down, I've got a 100% charge battery, and my home is then run off that battery power. Rather than using peak electricity at night, don't need that anymore. I've got my Sonnen battery, excess extra power into the battery if I need it, and I'm not using any power from Energy Australia. That, that, that was my energy provider. Well, technically still is. I'm still connected to the grid, but I don't need their electricity. So that that's – this is a, a, the the – the system that uh, you can install, if I want to go completely off the grid without sun and flat, people are thinking, well, why don't you just build, add more panels and add more batteries and go completely off the grid? Well, uh, the administration costs and, and the, the uh, link, the, the cost to be connected to the grid is you're going to pay $350 a year anyway. So with the sun and flat system, they actually they, they remove that. So you're just paying that 40 bucks a month. They must absorb that in their costs. That that in in son and the son and flat costs among all the customers. Plus, they probably sell back excess energy into the into the network, and that again offsets that cost as well. So, yeah, I could have got a system that would have put me off the grid, but it would have been two or three times more expensive, and would have cost me maybe fifty thousand dollars. So. In the long term, that'll take a lot longer to pay off. So the return on investment on a much bigger system just wouldn't be viable. That's why this works so well. So yes, there's an upfront cost, but that $40 a month payment is is what's prevented me from the need to spend another $30,000 to be totally off the grid. I'm helping other Sonnen owners, and they're helping me, and Sonnen is now my energy retailer. 
and they can keep it to that $40 a month. If you've got a bigger house, like I've got a two-story house, four-bedroom house, it's got a ducted air conditioning, home theatre system, a lot, lot of stuff to power, but that's $40. If you've got an even bigger house than that, you can choose the $50 plan, depending on the size of your system. So for me, 40 bucks a month, and my, my, my panels, my system will pay itself off in, I reckon, about five years. So I'll be in front and only paying less than what I pay for my monthly mobile bill for my electricity. And the way that the energy debate is going on now, energy prices, uh, the government's fighting with AGL about whether to keep the Liddell power station open, all this stuff, all the customers uh, are wondering where electricity prices are going to go. By doing this, by having this plan, by going ahead with the panels and the battery, I've sort of stepped outside that now. I'm immune to that now. That's not going to affect me anymore. And I, I feel confident that I've made the right decision for my family. Money well spent because it's going to pay itself back and give me that peace of mind in the long run. If you want to read more about my journey with uh, natural solar and my panels and my Sonnen battery and the Sonnen flat system, you can read all about it at techguide.com.au. Rightio. Well, last week we were up on the Gold Coast as guests of Optus. They wanted to show us their 5G showcase. Now, this was uh, no coincidence uh, at the same time as the Commonwealth Games, of which Optus is a major sponsor. I think the, the major communications partner, I think they call themselves. But this was an opportunity for Optus to not only show journalists like me, but they had this 5G showcase at Karawa. Uh, up near Broadbeach there, and this was for the public. It was open to the public for them to go in and experience 5G, what we can expect from 5G. And I've got to say, it was a real eye-opener. I knew a little bit about 5G, but it did show me that it's not just about faster downloads. It's about much more and can be used so, so more widely than just downloading stuff quickly on your phone or at home. So Optus has already announced they're going to have a 5G fixed wireless products in for home use in January 2018. Speeds expected to be 2 gigabits per second. That's 20 times faster than the NBN. So major metropolitan areas, of course, will, will benefit. So if you're living in one of those major capital cities in Australia, January 2019, that's less than 12 months away, is when you're going to see this product in the market. 5G, the network itself, of course, is going to take time to roll out. We're not going to see handsets till at least the second half of 2019 and probably the first half of 2020. So you can probably you can probably assume that the Galaxy S11, which will be released in early 2020, if they do stick to their normal uh, their normal uh, yearly update, that's going to be released in 2020. So the S11 may be the first phone to go 5G and will then also be up to, I think, the iPhone. If it's iPhone 10 now, it'll be, we, we consume iPhone 11, iPhone 12. So in two years' time, the new iPhone, the new Samsung may be 5G compatible. And standards are going to be decided later this year. And then the telcos and the chip manufacturers and the handset manufacturers will go to town trying to make a device that can work on these networks. But before that, you're going to see 5G in the home with that fixed wireless product that I spoke about. And 
it is not just about speed. And there were some interesting demos there. They had some virtual reality demonstrations. I think the biggest takeaway that I had was not only the speed, but the capacity. It's one thing to be fast, but it's also being able to transfer lots of data at the same time. So that bandwidth. To demonstrate that, they put us in a van, which was equipped with an 8K TV, and they streamed 8K video driving up and down the coastline there through one 5G cell uh, on the tower nearby. And the video did not miss a beat, did not buffer, was absolutely pristine. And that was broadcast to a moving car from a cell tower that was up to 500 to 600 metres away. So that just gives you an idea of the capacity. Same thing for virtual reality. Being able to transfer lots of data at once, that is a demonstration that they showed with, I put some virtual reality goggles on and was a, I was a, pretended to be a goalkeeper. And the guy kicked the ball towards me. And because it was so fast, there was no latency, I was able to see the ball in real time and catch the ball in real time. If that was a 4G connection, that extra half second of latency the ball would have hit me in the face. I wouldn't have been able to, it would have been a little bit laggy, so I wouldn't have been able to catch it. The other demo they gave us to demonstrate how fast 5G is as well, they had a robotic arm that you could play rock, paper, scissors against. And because it was connected to the 5G network and it was so fast to react, you couldn't beat it in rock, paper, scissors. It could not only see what you're doing with your hand, but also then provide the winning gesture before you'd even finished it. That's how fast it was. And then when they turned it back to 4G, you could see the lag. It it took half a second to complete. Now, you just imagine the robotic arm being able to operate so fast and so quickly. You can imagine the applications for that, whether it's in industry, whether it's in medicine. Like imagine a surgeon needing to perform with the robotic arm. Because you remember, a human being, your hand's going to shake no matter what, whether you're the best surgeon in the world. But an, a robot arm doesn't. A robot arm is rock steady. So you imagine in the near future, the precise surgery that maybe need to be performed could potentially be using the 5G network to relay that signal in such a fast time with zero latency that it is, it is in real time, happening in real time. Really impressive. So that, that whole stand uh, was, as I mentioned, uh, available to the public. And it gave everyone a really nice showcase of what we can expect to see in the years ahead for through Optus with their 5G network. And we just we caught up though with their Optus's managing director of networks, Dennis Wong, who then took us through. Uh, we had a bit of a discussion about 5G, just so we can get our head around exactly what 5G is, how it can be used, and when we're going to see it in Australia. And here's what he had to say when we spoke to him on the Gold Coast. Well, hi, Dennis. Thanks for joining me. We're up here on the sunny Gold Coast for the Commonwealth Games. Going through a showcase of Optus's 5G capabilities, but tell us a little bit more. It's not just about faster. It's a, there's a lot more involved, isn't there? Yes, definitely. I think 5G is different from the rest of the generation of the mobile technology. It's not just about speed. It's also about latency. It's about machine-to-machine connectivity. It's about the higher availability and higher reliability. So 5G is totally different, and because of its different characteristics, it's going to bring about more capability and more features and more fun and more entertainment using the 5G technology. Yeah, I think uh, for, for customers thinking they think 5G, they've obviously had 4G, so they, their impression of 5G is, okay, I can download my movie faster. But it's a lot deeper than that. Now, let's go through what you said earlier. So low latency, so that means virtually no delay between one end of the network to the other. 
Explain a little bit how that'll work. Yeah, I think when you talk about latency, you are talking about the responsiveness of the network itself. I think one of the key things that if you have tried a VR goggle before, one thing is that if you are capturing an image from a VR goggle, if you move your head left to right in a very quick motion, now because it's called quick, the capture if it doesn't capture your movement, then the vision that you see is not going to move as quick. Then you're going to have a you're going to have kind of motion sickness. However, using a 5G technology per se, if you have low latency, as you move your head, you will the when you move your head, the goggle is able to understand that you have moved your head in a very quick response time, and the image will shift at the same time as you move your head, and that's what latency is about. And this is going to be very crucial when you're doing gaming or we are doing a mission control, or you're doing a VR control. If you come to our showcase, you can play a game of rock, paper, scissors with a machine, and you can see that the machine reacts to your gesture faster than your you, your eyes can actually perceive. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I like the, the gaming aspect. If that can ma- improve my, my chances of online gaming, I'm all for that. But you mentioned the robotic arm, and... Uh, and in, in the demonstration, there was an example of maybe a remote surgeon using a remote a robotic arm uh, to perform surgery. Like, it would be potentially using the 5G network. A surgeon can perform an operation from the other side of the country. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I think the technology will evolve for it by itself. I think, like what all good technologies, the starting point is always a little bit basic. As you move along, the capability will be enhanced. And I, I will see that as a future, you know. Surgery remotely across the country is going to be a part of the future, and that's what going to five G is going to bring in the future. But even I think the example you mentioned too during the demo was the fact that a human arm can never be as steady as a robot arm. So the surgeon could potentially be in the room with the robotic arm, and that the taking advantage of the low latency can help them performing ultra precise surgery. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Like I say, if you put up your hand, even though you look at it, you still but actually look at it in the microscopic um, sense, it's actually shivering. So uh, that that cannot be done by a human. So I think for micro-precisions and very precision surgery, you need the robots. But also other industries can take advantage of this too. There's a, there's a the VR driving demo where a, a car is being driven remotely through through VR. That has applications in the real world in certain industries, doesn't it? Yep. For example, in uh, let's say for example, in a certain area that there is um, mining or a certain area that's dangerous, you need to remote, um, you need to control a car to go in and do some stuff, and you will use what the sensory that is sent through that area to somebody that's very far away remote. It could be somewhere in Sydney controlling a car in Perth or in somewhere in um, regional where they are doing some uh, minings, and you can control the car and through the long distance. Yeah. Now let's get a little bit technical. The the band the spectrum is three point five gigahertz. Is that right? Gigahertz. And so the range of, of a base station is is eight hundred meters, you understand? So t- just talk a little bit through that technical aspect of five G. Yeah. So I think um for five G uh, there's a few band. I think for example the three point four to the three point six gigahertz or three point seven gigahertz is called what you call the low band of five G and that is one of the band that Optus has. I think that's one thing that uh, where we have uh, put up some demonstration as well. Now for over here in this uh, showcase itself, we have used the three point six gigahertz band, which is the same band itself, to demonstrate all the use cases and that's where we are. Now for this particular range, from a test from a very test and optimized case, we are seeing a good range from up to 800, 900 meters. Yeah. That's our optimized range. So that is the one real-world potential that we are looking at. Yeah. And uh, there is also going to be a device, a fixed home, a broadband product using the 5G network released in January next year. And I understand that that product 
is powering this whole installation here on the Gold Coast. Yes, that's right. I think uh, what we have shown here, as you can see in the control room, from a commercial uh, CPE device, we are actually powering all the use cases here through one single device. That's right. So, so it's potential for the customers in January 2019, Optus customers in January 2019, could have an alternative to the NBN. If they don't want to have NBN, they can choose a 5G product from Optus. Yeah, I think uh, when uh, January um, 2019 uh, January 2019 comes, I think uh, depending on where you are, as a, there's an installation, you can enjoy the services. But as I guess as uh, what we have mentioned, yeah, MBN and ourselves, we are providing a choice to the consumer, and the consumer got the right to choose to a uh, service that fits their lifestyle. I imagine too that it's going to be in the capital cities. Is that right? Capital city coverage for 5G. Yeah, I think to uh, begin with. Yep, to begin with, it's definitely near the capital city and some uh, chosen location. Yeah. But let's talk about handsets. Now, we're not going to see handsets anytime soon, probably another year, year and a half before any companies are making 5G handsets. So when, when realistically can a customer, do you think, get be holding a 5G device in their hand? Uh, like I say, um, while we are watching the technology very closely, we are also working with the device manufacturer very closely. Uh, at current, I think um, the timeline given to us is, is ballpark. It's probably second half of next year. So we will continue monitoring the space. So, yeah, I, I think that um, watch it, listen to all the announcements from the device manufacturer, and probably they will provide a better date than me. Fantastic. Well, we appreciate your time, Dennis. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, and they're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Well, Arlo is already pretty well known through Netgear. They are the worldwide leader in smart home security. They created the world's first 100% wire-free, weatherproof HD security camera. Well, they've just introduced the new Arlo Pro, and it's got even more features, including two-way audio, so you can talk to your kids or your pets or whoever's at your front door right there from your smartphone. Uh, the Arlo Pro has quick rechargeable batteries. It's also got night vision, live on-demand streaming, and, of course, it's still 100% wire-free and also weatherproof. So you can monitor your entire property inside and outside. Arlo Pro just takes minutes to set up, so you can check in on your home or your business from anywhere you are using the free Arlo app on your mobile device or computer. Know what's happening in real time with advanced motion detection so you'll never miss a moment with free cloud recordings for seven days. Visit arlo.com forward slash au for more info. Arlo and the new Arlo Pro by Netgear. You've got every angle covered. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide. Now, here's a great product that we had a great time reviewing. It's the Eura, and it's spelt J-U-R-A, but I understand it's pronounced Eura Z8 Coffee Machine. Now, we love our coffee. I mean love coffee. You don't just like coffee. You love coffee. There's no two ways about it. You either hate it or you love it. And in my case, I love it. So having the Z8 delivered for me to review for a couple of weeks was an absolute pleasure. Now, this is a machine that is designed for absolute coffee aficionados, coffee experts, coffee lovers. And the reason I say that is because having a device like this, a product like this, it takes up a bit of room for a start. It's, uh, it's not the smallest machine in the world. It's 32 centimeters wide, 42 centimeters long, so you need a bit of bench space to fit it in. But not only do you need space, you need a bit of money. 
It's four thousand four hundred and ninety bucks. So we have seen it cheaper in stores. I've seen it for under four thousand. I've seen it for three triple nine. The same machine, still a decent investment, but just like there's audio files who will spend thousands of dollars on speakers, there are also coffee files or coffee lovers who would gladly pay this sort of money if they knew they were going to get that cafe-quality coffee. Now, we all know, you coffee lovers listening to this, you may be drinking a coffee right now. You know what makes a good coffee, and you'll go out of your way to get it. Now, the Z8, and I'm a pretty fussy coffee drinker, the Z8 absolutely nailed it with the coffee. Now, this is an automated machine. All you need to do is put in the beans on the top, water in the tank, Plug it in. If you want milk, you can add a little milk glass milk container and it'll froth your milk as well. Really simple. There's a touch screen, allows you to choose what type of brew you want, whether you want a, a, a espresso, ristretto, latte, cappuccino, whatever you want. It knows you can set those coffee strength and you can even save those in your own little file. So if, rather than you having to go through the steps, just press boom, press your name, press your coffee, and out it comes. Now, the price tag, if you're cringing at the price tag, then you're not passionate enough about your coffee. I think if you're a real uh, coffee lover who wants to have this kind of coffee at home, or, an ent- or if you like entertaining, having guests over, make the, you can make them a cafe-quality brew in your home, then I think it, it, let's, let's, do some, let's do some math, though, because if you're wondering about the price, let me just put this to you. If you drink two coffees a day, and those coffees are priced at, let's say, $4 each. In many cases, it's more expensive, but I'll, I'll stick to $4. Two coffees a day, 4 bucks a pop. That's $56 a week. That adds up to $2,912 a year. So you can see where I'm going with this. This machine could potentially pay itself off over a couple of years if you are that fanatical a coffee drinker. Now, I grant you this. Coffee... Drinking coffee is a bit of a ritual for people because, yeah, they sometimes on the move, in the car, there's a nice coffee to drink. And rather than you go into a cafe before work, you can pop pop one out of the Jura, the Jura Z8. But oftentimes you meet people for coffee. It's a social occasion. So in those instances, you're going to have to pony up for the coffee. But in those times where you just want to make it, you feel like a coffee, rather than having to go out for a coffee, you can just make one. If you're going to leave the house with a nice coffee, you can do that. Take your own little keep cup or you might buy your own little disposable cups. You can make these in your own home. Now, this is a system that for the price, of course, you'd expect nothing less. It's fully automated. All you do is watch your water, uh, add, add the beans when you need. If you want to milk, put milk in the coffee, you got that as well. So this is a press button. It's it's It produces beautiful velvety coffee with a lovely crema on top, nice little foam, and also the milk, it foams the milk beautifully. So rather than you having to put the coffee in, grind the coffee, put it in, tamp it down, put it in the system, press the button, it does it all itself. And in the cleanup process, it's just a matter of opening a drawer and dumping out the coffee grounds, which are still in their perfectly shaped little hockey pucks, little hockey puck shapes. That's how accurate it is. 4.3 touchscreen on the front, color display, really clear layout, lets you pick the size of your coffee, the strength of your brew as well, uh, and you can store, as I said, your favorite drink in the machine's memory.
Uh, so there are 16 different specialties from the start screen, total of 21 beverages via the rotary selection on the screen. Now, the brewing chamber can handle between 5 to 16 grams through the 15-bar high-performance pump. So it does produce coffee just at the right temperature as well. All you need to do, as I mentioned, is put the beans into the top, fill up the 2.4-litre water tank, which runs along the left side, and press the button, and the result is a delicious coffee. The cup tray is height-adjustable, so you can uh, make two cups at once. If you've got guests over, again, handy to be able to do that, to produce more than one coffee at a time. Not much of a clean-up. The only thing I needed to clean was the if, you were, if I was having milk, it would just blow a bit of steam through the milk pipe. And if there was any milk left in the glass cup, the glass, uh, I would just put the lid back on and put it back in the fridge until I needed it for next time. So uh, really nice machine, makes beautiful coffee. But again, that price, $4,499. Uh, if you're a true coffee fan, then de- go for it. Uh, if this is a bit above your price range, maybe something a little cheaper, an espresso perhaps. A lot of coffee snobs will look down their nose at an espresso saying that it's not a real coffee, but I've tasted an espresso. It's not bad at all. But the Eura Z8, beautiful results, beautiful coffee. If you love coffee, then definitely worth checking out. If you want to read our complete review, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Moving right along, now you remember a couple of weeks ago we were in Chicago with Apple for their education event and the product that was announced, the only product that was announced was the new 9.7 inch iPad, the sixth generation thereof of the of the iPad, 9.7 inches, retina display but with Apple Pencil support. We actually have had one, have had one for a while and have been using it and have to say it is, from the outside, looks no different to a regular iPad, but having that Apple Pencil support really makes a big difference. It's still got the impressive retina display, 9.7 inches, the Touch ID built into the home button, still there, 8 megapixel camera, 10-hour battery, weighs just 478 grams. So this is their entry-level iPad, now supports Apple Pencil. Uh, the iPad Pro is, was previously the only iPad that could support Apple Pencil. That's a much more expensive model. For a start, it, it's got bigger screens. So I think it's got 10.5 and 12.9. This is 9.7. Uh, so if you've got last year's iPad uh, and you want to use Apple Pencil, you're out of luck because it needs a special uh, layer underneath the Retina display for the Apple Pencil to work. So just updating last year's model with the latest software is not going to work. If you do want to write on an iPad, you either need the iPad Pro or this brand new sixth generation iPad with Apple Pencil support. But let's talk about price here. Now, the iPad starts at 469 bucks, and that's for the 32 gig Wi-Fi. You can also get 32 gig with cellular and also 128 gig Wi-Fi, 128 gig cellular. The prices are on are on the story. But that doesn't include the Apple Pencil. Apple Pencil costs another 145 bucks. So entry level, you're looking at 614 bucks for 6th gen iPad and the Apple Pencil. So this is aimed at students, aimed at education. Uh, so it's a decent investment 
but a worthy one. If you if you you know the, the app, what what Apple's done in the back end, being able to uh, link all the iPads and have they've created everyone can create curriculums and coding curriculums and uh, class kits so developers can their apps are optimized for the classroom. All of that work they've done in the background. The iPad is the outlet, is the is the end point where that all that technology, uh, the rubber hits the road on that device. And after we did our, after we did the, uh, we listened to the presentation in the auditorium. We then went to class. We were given a schedule, and we were then given these tasks that a student would normally uh, do in their classroom using the iPad, and it was uh, it was incredible. It was really enjoyable. Uh, it, it allowed us to express ourselves creatively. We were taking photos and recording music and drawing and, and, and t- shooting video. It was amazing. So I often wonder what life would have been like for me if I had, have had an iPad when I was a kid. You just never know where this is going to lead. But the iPad itself, uh, really fast. They've got the A10 Fusion chip on board now, so much faster than last year's model. Uh, you've also got updates to to Pages, to Keynote, and Numbers. Uh, you can also uh, annotate Pages now, so a lot of apps have been updated to handle Apple Pencil. Uh, a lot of AR apps as well. This is uh, the, the extra grunt with the processor has now makes AR apps work even better. Two in particular, there was one called Boulevard, which allows you to put an expensive work of art in the same room as you. So you're looking through the iPad. You can walk towards it, get right up close to it, walk around it, uh, and study this work of art. Another another app called Frogopedia allows you to do the same thing, but with frogs. So you put a frog on your desk, various species. You can look at its anatomy. You can even do a dissection. So rather than killing a real frog, you can just dissect a virtual one. And guess what? You use the Apple Pencil as your scalpel. Really interesting. The uh, 9.7-inch iPad uh, design hasn't changed. It's exactly the same. Apple Pencil has to be purchased separately at an additional $145 cost. Uh, there is, I understand, Logitech are bringing out a cheaper Apple Pencil. I think they're calling it the Logi Crayon. Not quite as pressure sensitive as the Apple Pencil, but still maybe a cheaper alternative for users. The iPad 9.7 inch, uh, sixth generation with Apple Pencil support. If you want to read our complete review, you know where to find it techguide.com.au. Now, LG have been hard at work, and this was a product that I actually saw in January, the Consumer Electronics Show, and it has finally arrived in Australia. I'm talking about the LG InstaView door-in-door refrigerator. You might say, what the hell does that mean? The LG InstaView is a refrigerator that has a black panel on the front. So you walk up to the fridge, double tap the glass, and it turns transparent. You can see into the fridge, into the door of the fridge. So if you stored your snacks and your drinks and everything in there, you can see what's in there before actually having to make a selection. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I went to the fridge as a kid, I opened it up, stood there for a few minutes trying to work out what I wanted to eat, and usually a voice pipes up, my mother, shut the fridge door. You're letting all the cold air out. And that's what I had to do. And I had to either make up my mind on what I wanted to eat or not eat anything at all. But with InstaView, now you just do a double tap, look as long as you want into the fridge, and you can decide what's in there, decide what you want, quickly open the door, grab it out, boom, done. It does help, helps keep the cold air in the fridge more, keeps your your food fresh longer as well. 
Now, this is a smart fridge, don't forget, so InstaView isn't the only uh, feature on board. It's got pure air filtration, so it really minimises refrigerator odours. It's got a lot of storage, so much storage. Have a look at the size of this fridge. French door, door in door, plenty of room to store. As you can set up your freezer compartment at the bottom, plenty of uh, door space as well, so you can put large items in the door, like wine bottles and things like that. Uh, adjustable shelving, there's even a retractable shelf, so you can chill a critical food item because it's it's too tall. If it's too tall, that isn't an issue here. It's also got an indoor ice maker as well. It can also serve chilled water. And is also smart, don't forget, it's got the smart think system on board, so you can remotely control the fridge from your phone. You can adjust the fridge settings and even diagnose problems with the fridge if there is one. So uh, connected fridge as well, that InstaView, nice little feature. You're not going to let all the cold air out uh, and worthy of your attention. It's, uh, they start at 4599 but we have seen them as cheap as 3999 So that's the recommended retail, and they do range in price from 3999 We've seen uh, the good guys, Harvey Norman, have them already in store. Definitely worth looking if you're in the market for a new fridge. And let's face it, a fridge is not something you just think, oh, let's just buy a new fridge if you've got a good fridge already. A fridge is what was described to me one day by a retailer as a grudge purchase. Grudge purchase because the old one's just broken and you've got to buy a new one. So you're begrudgingly buying it. So if you are at that point, why not uh, opt for a smart refrigerator? Plenty of them out there, including this LG InstaView door in door. If you want to read more about that, check it out at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Now, who hasn't used public Wi-Fi? Everyone uses public Wi-Fi at airports, cafes, restaurants, you name it. Well, did you know that public Wi-Fi, though, isn't always safe? The risk here is that without the right protection, what you're looking at and even your personal information could become public. There's been plenty of examples of this uh, with vulnerabilities that expose, that allow attackers to intercept data transmitted across what people thought was a secure Wi-Fi network. Well, no, it isn't. Personal information transmitted over the internet or even stored on these connected devices, things like passwords, credit card numbers and other things, they could become vulnerable. All this personal information can be used towards committing identity theft or they can access your bank account and rob you. And all without your knowledge. The team at Norton are dedicated to helping you keep your valuable data safe. Norton Wi-Fi Privacy encrypts the personal information you send and receive on public Wi-Fi to help keep it private wherever you want to log on. Help protect your information with Norton Wi-Fi Privacy. To find out more, visit au.norton.com. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk couple of quickies for the Tech Guide help desk. I had an email from a reader who said, was wondering whether the upgrade, they want to upgrade Windows 8.1 to Windows 10, whether the upgrade was still free. And I didn't know this off the top of my head, so I had to look up and I found that the free upgrade actually expired in January. So January this year, you uh, after January, you can no longer update for free from Windows 8.1 to Windows 10. I think it costs about $199 now for you to download the new software and install it. 
on your Windows PC. Should have got in earlier, sorry. But on my, my recommendation or my suggestion was to try to update it through the settings of the computer because he's had the computer for quite a while. It may kind of retro retroactively let him install it because he's had this computer running since before January. But oh, I don't know about that, whether that will work, but worth a try. What's the worst that can happen? They're going to ask you for money, which is what they're going to do anyway. Uh, the other message I had, the other question I had was about the scheduled messaging, uh, the, the feature on the Samsung devices. And we did speak about this in the past. It was a feature of the S8. Uh, what you used to be able to do is to tap on the three buttons on the top right-hand corner, and in the drop-down menu, a choice was you where you could schedule a message. So say you wanted to send a message to someone at 8 o'clock in the morning, but you didn't want to wake up at 8 o'clock to send the message, you could write it the night before and schedule that message to be sent at 8 a.m. Now, with the S9 and the S9 Plus, that feature was moved to the bottom of the screen. So down uh, where the text entry area is, to the left of that, there's a little plus symbol. You hit the plus symbol, and in that menu that pops up, there there you'll find your schedule message feature. There was a The woman uh, was wondering where that feature had gone, uh, but she said she found it in the end after I told her where to look. Uh, that is, oh, I've actually written, uh, I've reviewed the Galaxy S9 and I've written extensively about Windows 10. So all those stories you can find at techguide.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of our show for this week. Doesn't time fly? You can read about everything we've talked about at techguide.com.au. And we want to hear from you as well. And I mean literally hear from you. You can send us a voice bite. That is an app free on iOS, free on Android. happens to be co-developed by yours truly. So you can record a 15-second question, a 15-second mini review, hashtag tech guide, slide to broadcast. Your voice will then appear on the Tech Guide podcast next week. So we're going to give preference to voice bites. Get out there, download it on your smartphone right now. Go on, do it. I'll wait for you to do it. V-O-I-C-E-B-Y-T-E. Download it on your phone. And I want to hear from you next time. If you want to email, if you want to go old school email, you can still do that, info at techguide.com.au, but we will be giving preference to voice bites. We want to give a special shout-out, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and Norton, the company that helps keep you and your family safe online. We'd love you to support the companies that does support the Tech Guide podcast. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.